Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Achre Mois Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Pasha's Achre Mois. Ours is a Aliyah of only 10 Pesukim, running from Perek Tezai, Pasuk Chofei, to Per Pasuk Lamedalad. The topic of our Aliyah is the Atonement of Yom Kippur. We hear now about how the Kohen is completing his service. So that is the after the Mishaleach, the person who sends out this Seir, this goat, to Azazel, to this, this place in the desert, will come back, wash his clothes, and be pure in the evening. Um, we then hear about the, the Seir, um, the Parachatas and the Seirachatas, which were brought. Um, we will hear that they are burnt in fire. So they were sacrificed earlier, their blood was sprinkled, and the rest of them is burnt. Um, and this is going to be the practice which will always be in motion for the seventh month, the tenth day. That is what we call Yom Kippur. And we have here a few more ideas about the day. It's going to be a day where ta'anu es nafshoi There needs to be self-affliction. And no work may be done. You may not do any work. This is a day of atonement. Why? Because on this day, your sins will be atoned in front of Hashem. Very powerful statement. And um, then it, we also hear that is a Shabbat Shabbat Son, a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And the Kohen who represents you will be the one who atones you, and he'll atone for the Migdash HaKodesh and the Ohel Moed, the Tent of Meeting. Um, so this is the end of sort of the of the, the general description of the Avodah Yom Kippur in the service on Yom Kippur. A few basic questions to think about. Number one is, is why the washing of the clothes? Why is the person who sends out the Seir, which is essentially affecting the atonement is the one who has to wash his clothes in a, in a sense becoming impure himself if he's purifying everybody else. So the Medrash Rabbah in Bereshah's Rabbah Yudtes tells us that Rabbi Yeshua de Sikhnin um, would quote Rabbi Levi who said there are four things that the Yetzirah and, the, uh, and uh, the, world, the nations of the world ask upon us. And they are the following. One is called Eishas Ach. Eishas Ach is that one is not allowed to marry the wife of one's brother. A man may not marry the wife of one's brother. However, where the Torah does give a mitzvah of Yibum, where in a, uh, under certain circumstances where the, the brother predeceases the living brother, the remaining brother should marry the wife of the deceased. So in life, she is, she is a forbidden relationship to this brother. Upon death of her husband, it's a mitzvah to marry her. So that's a question. Why could there be such an opposite? Another example is Kilayim. Why should it be that we cannot wear shatnes, but on tzitzis we're allowed to have shatnes, we're allowed to have mixed kind of species. The other one is the para aduma, that when the person who brings the para aduma, the kind who is metaher, those who are impure, that person becomes impure themselves. And finally, the seira mishtalech, which is our case over here. Why does the person who sends out, brings out this goat, which is being sent out, is becomes impure themselves and they're purifying everybody else. So these are, these are ideas where the Torah clearly is defying logic. This is not about how we would understand it and what we would prescribe to be the natural order of things. There's something larger afoot. Which we, we, this is what's called a chok, a place where we, we suspend um, some of our better judgment to appreciate that there's, there's something much bigger afoot as well. Um, what is, another question is, is, why is it that the main sin which is described over here as being atoned for is Tumas Migdash Ukadoshav, which means the impurity of the state of the, of the sanctuary. Out of all the sins, I mean, there are many bad sins, there's murder, there's adultery, there's all kinds of terrible things that happen in society. Wouldn't those be the ones that should be atoned for? Why is the one that is labeled the Yom Kippur atonement is the, the, the sanctuary, the purity of the sanctuary? That, that refers to, let's say, a person comes in a state of impurity or eats kochim, holy meat, in a state of impurity. 
impurity. That's the sin that's being atoned for. I would wonder if that the 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 level of what the sanctuary of the of the holiness of the sanctuary is a reflection truly of the um, of of what's going on in the sanctuary itself. Um, meaning to say that it is the temperature of the water as the relationship with the Almighty. If people are actually um, keeping a careful relationship with the Almighty, then the way they act in the sanctuary is going to reflect that. If not, then there'll be a little more lax when it comes to, this, to, to the sanctuary as well. I think this is very important to appreciate um, because e even today, I believe that's true as well. The way and the tenor in which uh, the people treat the, the, the holy places, shuls and bate medrash, is a reflection of the way they view them in society as well. And if the, the generally one's spiritual life is more corrupt, whereas more to be improved upon, then the relationship with the sanctuary is also going to be in need of improvement as well. It's usually a good indicator of where the real relationship is at as well, how one treats the base Knesset, how one treats the base medrash itself. It's worthwhile noting that uh, what is it that Yom Kippur actually atones for? So um, the Rambam actually goes through a very important list of cases that now that we no longer have a base Migdash, so uh, um, um, he, he describes that the, that a person can go do to Shiva. So the Rambam describes a few categories of when he, where a person gets impure, uh, uh, purified. He says the first is is that there there the are various which um, which is by kores. Let's say a person they don't have any excommunication with them. If a person does teshuva, then it um, You need to have uh, you need to uh, um, have a, 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 atonement or forgiveness. So if you hurt your neighbor, you need to uh, get atonement from your neighbor, and then it'll be then the, the the full process will have been affected. But let's say a person. Um, um, did something which doesn't have kores, but um, or misas based in, and did teshuva. The teshuva waits and uh, and waits until Yom Kippur. So meaning to say, the teshuva process is effective until Yom Kippur comes and completes the process. It's not like Yom Kippur is a magic incantation. It's the follow up of the process of teshuva as well. Quoting the pasuk in However, if a person does does a, 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 a transgresses a commandment which has also Mesa or, or, or Kores, then even though a person does Teshuva and Yom Kippur comes, then a person needs to also, uh, God forbid, undergo suffering in this world as well, if it was a more severe of uh, Avera. And if it if it was something which involved Chilol Hashem, then uh, the person not only is um, Teshuva, Yom Kippur, and suffering, and not enough, but they need to also die, um, and that would be the correction of the Chilol Hashem they created. So very, very... Um, complex process just to see the multiple tiers of the process itself. It is worthwhile noting that there's a very important discuss discussion over here which is said is that is what is what is it that actually creates the atonement itself? What is it that that, that affects the chiva process? You see, because if the whole Avodah Zarah which is the first three aliyahs of Pasha's Achremois, is going to be what creates atonement, then in the absence of that, what really happens? The Ramam is addressing this in the beginning of Hechel's Shuvah, which is what we just look, look through very briefly right now. But really, how does, it, how does this work exactly? After all, the Beis Amidash was destroyed around the year 70 Common Era. Um, although the Bar Kokhba rebellion regained traction and uh, was able to conquer the land around the year 132 uh, common era, it was mercilessly crushed, ending in the death of 580,000 Jews and 185 Jewish cities destroyed um, by by the year 135. So we, we haven't had a base of Middash, and even today that we're blessed to have the land of Israel, we don't have a base of Middash still. So how does this work? So it turns out that many individuals struggled with this question as well. And one of those individuals was a, name, a man by the name of Paul. 
Paul in Pauline Christianity, one of the founders of the Christian faith, struggled tremendously with this. In fact, um, Rabbi Sachs has an incredible essay on this on, in his book, The Letter in the Scroll, or Radical Then, Radical Now, the English version of it, um, which in, in which he describes Paul's, uh, Paul's um, own struggle. So Paul struggled with guilt. He struggled with the fact that there's no way to discharge guilt in a post-Migdash reality. If the only way that one could really atone for one's, uh, one's actions and one's sins was through the process of sacrifice, and sacrifice is no longer available, what could one do? And in a certain sense, uh, Paul found an answer, um, if you read through his letter, letter to the Romans, very famously in his struggle with faith, he then uh, comes up with a resolution and he, to quote, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may, go ab may abound? God forbid, we who die in sin, how shall, we, how shall we any longer live therein? Or are ye ignorant of uh, that all we who are baptized into the faith of Christianity are baptized into his death? We were buried through him, through his baptism unto death, and like their Savior, was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, so that we may walk in newness of life. So the answer that he presents is that through the death of the Savior of Christianity, um, that is the reason why or the place or the vehicle through which guilt can be discharged. Because there is no way to, ex to, to extricate sin from the human being. If there's no process of sacrifice, the sacrifice was given through, so to speak, the quotation, the Son of God, whatever that means, and then that's the way to extract sin. That was the way that Paul resolved this issue. However, Paul was not looking at the Pesukim carefully enough. And that's why there was somebody else who was also struggling with this and came up with a very, very different perspective in understanding what the Torah really meant. His name was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva lived through the Bar Kokhba rebellion and was actually killed in the Hadrianic persecutions following it. And in the famous last mission of Masechus Yama, dealing with Yom Kippur, Rabbi Akiva says a statement which we, we definitely know, but we don't understand the profundity of it unless we see it in this context. Amr Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva would say, Ashrechem Yisrael, praiseworthy are you, o Israel. In front of whom are you impurified and who purifies you? Avichem Shebashamayim. It is your Father in heaven. I'll throw over you the waters of purification and purify you. V'omer, quoting the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Hashem is the Mikveh, is the gathering place or the, the purification process. Notice that the two Pesukim he quotes in the Mishnah from Yechezkel and Yirmiyahu, the two prophets who witnessed the destruction of the base of Mikdash, what Rebbe Kiva is essentially saying, the, re, the answer Rebbe Kiva gives is that the Pesukim are not saying that the service is what atones for you. That may be the vehicle of how it was then, but it is HaKadosh Baruch Hu who gives atonement. And therefore, even in the absence of this service, of this ritual, although it may be more difficult, there is still the possibility of atonement in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, what essentially is, uh, Rabbi Akiva is saying is that the refocus over here is the notion that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, as Micha says, as one of the earlier prophets, Does Hashem really want all these sacrifices? What does He want? Micha tells us, Hashem wants your heart. He wants the way that you're going to behave. He wants the way you're going to live. That comes even independently of sacrifice. And although sacrifice is no longer here, we don't have that channel. The internal channel of what it's meant to be still exists for us and with us. And therefore, in, in what Rekiva's tremendous chidosh is, is that even in the post-Migdash reality, which has been the last 2,000 years of Judaism, 
there is still the capacity of Kibayom Hazeh Yechaper Aleichem. It is the day itself which atones through HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only the sacrificial service, not only the Avodah of Yom HaKippur. With this, we conclude the third Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.